Good to see everybody. We are in the midst of a series that we call Catch My Drift. Catch My Drift. And it's not something that we intend to mean, uh, read between the lines, which is typically how that phrase is used, Catch My Drift. We really just want to be more intentional, more up in, in our face as far as some things that we need to, what, what the Hebrew writer tells us to pay attention to some things that we need to look at, look for. And so we pull this idea of catch my drift or, or stopping my life or stopping my, you know, my relationship with the Lord from drifting too far away. And, and so we took that from a verse in Hebrews chapter number two. Hebrew writer tells us this in verse number one. She says, for this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift from it. So we worded it in this way that we've been, as last couple of weeks we've been talking about, we must anchor our lives to the authority of God's word, lest the ship of life drift past the truth of what we've heard. And so that's what we're trying to do over these next few weeks, is we just want to anchor our lives to the authority of God's word so that our life, our, our ship of life doesn't drift past the truth of what we've, what we've heard, and, and many of us have, have heard the truth and know the truth, and, and Scripture tells us the truth is what sets us free, and the truth is what gives us liberty and victory in, in life. That's what truth does for us, and so we don't want to be um, a people that drift from that. And so we talked about last week, we need to pay attention to our time, you know, our time, looking at our time. The time is basically our life, and we need to pay attention to that, knowing that, you know, life is short, life is limited, you know, life is fragile, and, and, and you know that, you're aware of that, and how quickly life goes, and, and how fragile life is, and, and uh, many of you I know that are even sitting here now and have experienced that, that loss and that hurt and that pain that you're, you, you, you're working through and you're trying to, to manage. And, and that's why it's so important to pay attention, to pay attention to the time because we don't know how much time we have. And, and that's why Moses tells us in Psalm 90, and I would encourage you to, to read Psalm 90, Moses tells us that we need to, Lord, he says, teach me. Teach me to number my days so that I can present to you a heart of wisdom. In other words, Lord, teach me to know that my days are numbered. Teach me to know that my time is limited. And how can I use that limited time that I have with wisdom and present that to you in wisdom? So I would encourage you to go back and listen. You can listen on podcasts or whatever, however you want to listen, but you can go back and listen. So today, for the sake of time, um, we, I want to just jump right into it. So today, we're going to talk about something that, you know, is, is all of us deal with it. None of us like to talk about it, and it's certainly uncomfortable for somebody like me to talk about it, but we need to talk about it. Does that make sense? I, just, I know I just blew your mind with all those statements right there. You know, I'll give you time to write all that down. Um, we need to pay attention to temptation. We need to pay attention to temptation. And, and you know, again, I'm not going to ask you to stand and sh share yours or talk about yours or what you're tempted in. I'm not, that's not what we're doing today. But we want to address some, th some things when it comes to temptation. And we want to look at temptation. And how we typically address temptation is, is that we try to have willpower, right? Willpower. Or we try to exhibit self Control. That's how, what we try to do. Did you know when it comes to willpower, and maybe you, you probably already know this, that our willpower is, is finite. Our willpower is finite. Our willpower is, is limited. We only have so much of it. As a matter of fact, science and psychology and research teaches us that. 
that we only have a certain amount of willpower in a day. In a day. We only have a certain amount. And so maybe you've noticed some things where, you know, when it comes to willpower, that you're able to maybe, you know, resist the temptation to order a donut or, or a pastry, you know, for breakfast, but then when you go about your day and you go to work and you, you know, make decisions and you put a lot of thought into things, that you probably notice that at the end of the day, it's a little bit harder to pass up on that piece of chocolate cake, isn't it? Anybody discover that? It's because that our willpower is finite. Our willpower is limited. Our willpower is like a cell phone. The more that you use it, the more the battery's gonna drain and the less energy you're gonna have. And that's how willpower works. And we know this too because, you know, we've had times in our life where we've tried to just buckle down, you know, you know, just get, you know, after something, you know, especially when it comes to maybe a diet or exercise, right? And we know that that only lasts and it's going to happen to us again. We're going to fall into this trap that we're going to say around, you know, after, you know, Thanksgiving, which is coming up and after the Christmas, you know, you know, season is coming up and after that's over and you've now put on 10 pounds, which is going to happen, right? It's going to happen to me. And I'm going to go, you know, on January 1st, I'm going to go, I I need to get a gym membership. Like I need to get, I need to do something. And you know, and, and so, you know, instead of, we've tried some alter, alternative ways in which my wife and I, we try to get exercise. So when it's nice out, we try to get out and bike, you know, and we, we try to do some of that. And, and uh, we've, we've done this for the last couple of years. Now don't judge me. Don't d- just ignore the name, but this is what we use. We ordered something called Beach Body On Demand. You know, because who wouldn't want a beach body? And so we do, and on this on-demand thing, you have different workouts, right? And so what happens is, is what happens to many of us is that we start in January, and we work, we get after it, we get after it, we get after it, and then somewhere around, I don't know, February, March, you, you know, beach body on-demand isn't too much too on demand anymore right we start to you know kind of stop going and these are trends and you know all these trends these are trends that sort of get away from us you know and we stop going to these things and we make up excuses or we justify why we stop going why we stop dieting why we stop exercising you know we say you know it's around you know easter time so we i gave it up for lent you know we make it all spiritual you know, like, you're not a Catholic, I know, but I, you know, I think Lent is a good thing, you know, and so, I, you know, we all have these reasons of why, but willpower is, is limited, and we know this, too, when it comes to willpower, when it comes to maybe our prayer life or our scripture reading. Anybody ever do this? You know, maybe when you're praying, anybody ever do this like I do? You know, you're praying, you're like, God, just, you know, be with my kids, watch over our, our, our home, you know, what, God, we just, we just recognize you for who you are, uh, Man, I, I got to get milk. Uh, oh, if, oh, if I get milk, I need, the, I need the Apple Jacks. I love Apple Jacks. And I wonder if they still have the Apple Jacks with the marshmallows or, or maybe that's just the Halloween Apple Jacks that they have right now. And, oh, oh, sorry, God. Sorry, God. Right? Anybody do that? Like you're praying and you sort of like start thinking about other things. You start thinking about the things that you have to do, that you have to accomplish, right? Because our willpower, we only have so much willpower. 
And, and, and when it comes to your routines and your habits, right? And all of us have our routines. We have our morning routines, you know, when we, and we oftentimes, you know, do things. It's the way that we are. We do things that we don't even have to think about it. You know, you don't have to think about showering. You don't think about too much about brushing your teeth or, or getting yourself ready to go. And you don't even think about maybe your, your normal stop for me. My normal routine stop before I come into work is I go to Tim Hortons and I order my triple-triple. Now, that doesn't go along with my diet, you know. So in, from January to March, I order a double-double. And so it just makes me feel better. It makes me feel better. But, I, you know, we, and we have these routines that we don't really think about. But remember, what happens to you? when something messes up your routine? What happens to you when something sort of is a, a wrench in the routine that you are normally used to doing? Something happens. That just throws you off, doesn't it? And it feels like it just throws you off for the rest of the day. You feel like you can't regroup. You feel like you can't get it back together. And by the time you get home that night, you're completely exhausted. Why? Because something interrupted your routine. Something interrupted something that you don't even put much thought to. And by the time the evening comes, you're now pounding chocolate cake. And you're now taking down ice cream and Cokes or whatever the case may be, no judgment. I, these are, I'm talking about these things that I do. All of us have these things. Because why? Because willpower, that's how it works. It's limited. It's limited. So I, you already knew that. You already knew that. And you know what's also, I don't know, depressing? <laughs> Is there's some scriptures that help us understand how to deal with temptation, but there's also people that we see in scripture that we look at and go, man, how did they lose the battle of temptation? How did they succumb to the, the, the temptation? And we look at a couple people, and I, I, we don't have time to get into all of their stories, but I want to just give you some, some common issues that they had, some common problems that they had, and then hopefully at the end we'll have time to give you some solutions. No, that's the most important thing. We're going to give you some solutions to this issue of, of, of temptation. And so the first guy that we're going to look at is Samson. Samson, and you, you don't even have to go to church. You don't have to be a Christian to know who Samson is. Samson was, was known as, in the Hebrew scriptures, we call him the Old Testament, Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, he was known as the strongest man to ever live. Samson was so strong. Samson was so mighty. Samson was so powerful that he killed, according to Hebrew scriptures, he killed a thousand Philistines with a jawbone of a donkey. Now that's a man's man. Right? That's a guy. Like, that's a movie that men, you, we want to watch, right? And, and he took that jawbone of a, of a, of a donkey, which, which and, and he was known for just ripping a, a, a lion in half. Like, it was like, they, it, it was described as just like a baby donkey. That he, was, he had a reputation for just destroying with his bare hands a lion. He was the strongest man. But you know that he lost the battle of temptation? The strongest man. David, David is another one. David was a man. You know what David's reputation was? David's reputation was this, and you know this. David's reputation was that he was a man after God's own heart. David wrote most of the Psalms, and if you read the Psalms, you'll see just what a godly, spiritual man that David was. But David lost the battle of temptation. And he was spiritual. 
He was the most spiritual person that we probably have and recognize in Scripture. And Samson was the strongest. And, and then the third guy that we look at is Solomon. Solomon was the, was the son of, of David. And Solomon is known to be the wisest, the smartest person that ever walked the face of this earth. And Solomon lost the battle of sin. And so you have, we have this case study. We have Samson, who was the strongest. We have David, who was the most spiritual. And we have Solomon, who was the smartest. And they lost the battle. So when we think about these people, we think about, man, what chance do I have? Because I can't rip a lion in two. At least I don't think so. But I'm not going to try. I don't think that I'm the most spiritual person. I don't even think that I'm the most spiritual person in this room if I was honest with you. And I certainly don't think, and you already know this, I'm not the smartest. And you already know that. So we think about these guys, we think, man, what is it? What is it? And here's the deal with Christianity. Here's, Here's the deal with it. Christians, you know, when it comes to these things like losing the battle of temptation and, and being known as hip, hypocrites, right? Have you, have you ever heard this about Christians before? You should. You should. The Christian, the problem with Christianity is, man, they're a bunch of hypocrites, man. They say one thing and they do another, you know, and we all, you know, we all have to admit we all have battles. We all have temptations. We all struggle with sin. Sin is a real thing. We all have to face it and we all have to work through it and we all have to figure out a way to have, have victory over it. So Christianity, the Christians don't have an image problem. I don't even think it's an image problem. Here's what Christianity has. We have an integrity problem. It's not really an image problem. It's, a, it's, it's worse than that. It's deeper than that. It's, a, it's an integrity problem. So what are these, these three guys? Samson, David, Solomon. What did they have in common? What were some things that they had in common that caused them to lose that, that battle? that caused them to fail, that caused them to fall, that caused them to bring about painful, agonizing consequences in their life, which is ultimately what happens to all of us when we fail. We bring, we don't only hurt ourselves, but we hurt the people around us, right? Church, right? Aren't you glad you came today? This is so encouraging, so encouraging. I hope it, I hope it becomes encouraging to you in a minute. But here's a couple things that I think that they share. Now, I only have a time, I only had time to do a couple. There's probably way more than that. But I, here's a couple things that I think are, are helpful for us to know when it comes to our temptations, because we're certainly not the strongest, we're certainly not the most spiritual, and we're certainly not the smartest. So what is it that they did that we can maybe avoid? Well, here's, a, here's one of their problems that they did. They ignored, clear instructions were ignored. Clear instructions were ignored. Clear instructions were ignored. They were given, each one of them were given clear instructions how to have victory in their life over this thing, this nasty thing called sin. That they were given clear instructions of how to win the battles of temptation in their life. They were given clear instructions. For Samson, Samson was one who was a, who was, he took a, what they call a Nazarite vow. A Nazarite vow. A Nazarite vow was, was simply this. You weren't to cut your hair, you weren't to drink wine, and you weren't to touch dead things. That was the Nazarite vow, right? No haircuts, no wine, no dead things. 
That was the Nazarite vow. Samson broke all of those vows. Samson broke every single one of them. They were clear instructions. Samson, you want favor of God? Samson, you want to realize how mighty and powerful that God can be through you? Samson, you need to just follow these clear instructions. And Samson ignored these instructions. David had clear instructions. David's instructions were simply this. Now, he probably had a lot more than this, but this is what happened when David fell into you know, his, his sin and his temptation, which caused a lot of hurt and pain in his life. David was supposed to be on the battlefield with his men. David was supposed to be on the battlefield with his army. And David ignored the instructions of what kings are supposed to do and where kings are supposed to be. And he stayed home by himself. And that's when it got him. For Solomon, Solomon's instructions were, hey, don't, you know, don't associate with, don't marry into, have no part of foreign people because you will be tempted into adopting foreign gods. Don't do that. Those were clear instructions that Solomon got and Solomon ignored those instructions. He ignored them. And you know what we do when we let sin win? Is that we ignore clear instructions. And I believe that the scriptures give us clear instructions. Can I just share a few with you? Can I share? Okay, good. I'm going to end anyways. I don't even know why I asked. A few. Here's one. Here's one. Did you know that your instructions are to, to know this? That your body, your body is a temple. That your body, when you receive Jesus, when you put your faith in Jesus, the Spirit of God has come, fully resides in you. The fullness of God, it says. The fullness of God comes and resides in you. And, and, and the Apostle Paul says that you are the temple of the living God. That your body is, is meant to be treated as a temple and not a trash can. Clear instructions. Clear instructions. Husbands, I, husbands, pay attention. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Husbands, clear love, not an emotional love, an act of love, a doing kind of love, an agape love, a God love, unconditional love. Husbands, love. Your wives, like Christ loved the church. Husbands, clear instructions. Don't ignore them. Wives, no, I'm not even, I don't, I'm not even gonna do it. No, I'm not even gonna go there. No way, no way, uh-uh. If husbands do their part, wives will do theirs. Men, I'm coming after you now. I'm taking you out now. I'm talking to myself. My wife is writing notes right now. She's over there writing notes. When husbands do their part, wives will do theirs. Now, listen, these are clear instructions. These are clear instructions. 
He, he tells us, he said, listen, listen, I know, I know, I know. You know, there's so many, so many, so many different ways in which we can, we can look at this. You know, Jesus said, listen, I want you to do one thing, one thing, one thing. He says, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. I want you, that's the way I want you to love. I, I, don't get caught up in all these other rules and things and rituals. And uh, Listen, forget all that, Jesus said. Jesus says, I want you to love in the way that I loved you. And when it comes to our purity, when it comes to our, you know, when our, 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 our sexuality, he says, listen, listen, it's all designed. It's all designed for marriage. That's what it's designed for. That's what it's meant to be for. So when you, when you have that temptation, when you have that temptation to look at something that you shouldn't look at, and when you have that temptation to do something or act in a way that you shouldn't act in, you need to know that the, the instructions are clear, that it's meant for one person. It's meant for the institution of marriage. These are clear instructions. Don't ignore them. And Timothy, or Paul wrote to Timothy, he tells him this, he says this, but the goal of our instructions is love. The goal, he says, the point of our instructions is, is simply just for love. Why? So that you can have a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. But guys like Samson and guys like David and Solomon and men and women like you and I, we choose to ignore clear instructions that are only meant for you so that you can have a pure heart so that you and I can have a good conscience and so that you and I cannot be hypocrites but instead have a sincere faith don't ignore God's instructions I only gave you a few there's a lot more for us so that you can have a pure heart a good conscience and a sincere faith the other problem that they had was this they chose, they chose to isolate themselves. They chose to isolate themselves. You know, when we get into most of our problems is when we choose to isolate. When we go rogue. When we be, when we're loners. When we think, I've got this myself. All of them chose to isolate themselves. Again, we don't have time to get into all the scriptures. And if you want to fact check me later, I'll sit down with you. You can buy me a triple triple and we'll fact check it but listen they chose to isolate themselves David did he isolated himself he was supposed to be on the battlefield and instead he found himself alone on his balcony he isolated himself Solomon isolated himself he treated his people like slaves and they and he wanted nothing to do with him and he isolated himself from them Samson isolated himself from his family his people, he isolated himself to associate with people that they, were, they told him not to associate with. He isolated himself. Listen, don't isolate yourself. Don't isolate yourself because that's when you're open to the, the attacks of the enemy. That's when you're open to the enemy coming after you and, and looking to devour you. That's what, he's look, that's what he looks to do. As a matter of fact, you know what's the irony of this? Solomon actually wrote about the dangers of this and he did it. Don't you hate it when we're sometimes our own worst enemies? Do you ever feel like that? You're sometimes, I'm my own worst enemy. Solomon even wrote about it. Look what he Solomon wrote in Proverbs 18, verse 1. He who separates himself seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound 
wisdom. Instruction. You have it in, in, in this one verse. You have don't ignore instruction. You have that. You have don't isolate yourself. You have that. Solomon wrote this. You ever, you know the phrase, right? There's no I in team, right? There's no I in team. But there is an I in isolation. I'll give you time to write that down too. I'll give you a minute here. I just, again, I'm just blowing your mind over and over again. <laughs> I know, these are things that I pray about and God gives me. I'm like, yeah, this is brilliant, God. You know, this is brilliant. There's an I in isolation. Why? Because it's about us. It's, we make it about our own desires. We make it about self. What can you do for me? How can you meet my needs? How can you fill my desires? How can you satisfy me? When we isolate ourselves, it becomes about us. And there's always an I in isolation. And when we isolate ourselves, and this is, you can go through the scriptures and you can look at lots of different stories. You know that probably the most familiar one for us is, is Eve, right? Adam and Eve, and they're in the garden, and they had everything that they could ever have needed and ever have wanted in this paradise. And what happened? Some, at some point, Eve separated herself. Eve isolated herself from her husband, Adam. And guess what happened? That the serpent came in. The enemy came in. And he tempted her. And she took of the forbidden fruit that God said, don't eat. You can have everything else. You can have everything else that, that I have here to, that provided for you. Except you just can't have this one thing. And you, you, may ask, you may be asking, well, why would God tell them they can have everything but that this is one thing? Because there's joy. Listen, this is so important. There's joy in obedience. There's pleasure and joy in obedience. And so God says you can have everything but you just can't have this one thing. And, and the enemy came and he's tempted her and said hey you can have this god god you're not gonna die you're, you're as a matter of fact if you eat this you're gonna become like god and you know what it became for eve and you know what it becomes for us it becomes about us it becomes about me and that's what isolation does lions do this do you know that lions do this they wait for for their prey to be isolated and then lions sort of sneak around and they attack. And that's why Peter wrote this about our adversary. Look what he says in 1 Peter 5.8. Lions do the same thing. They wait for isolation and then they attack. Be of sober spirit. Be on alert. In other words, pay attention. Pay attention. You better be paying attention. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. Seeking someone to devour. He is, listen to me, he is prowling around like a lion seeking to devour your life. And when we separate to seek our desires, when we separate to seek our desires, the adversary seeks to devour. When we think oh, I'm going to just do my own thing and be my own person and go my own way, you know, be a loner and isolate myself, ignore instructions, ignore what my family's telling me to do, ignore what counsel, wisdom is telling me to do. When we decide to ignore that, we isolate ourselves and the enemy's going, yes, this is exactly where I 
want them. That's exactly where I want them. So there's some things that we need to pay attention to. There's some things that we need to prepare and be ready to keep watch for. We've got to pay attention to temptation. So pay attention. First thing is this. We need to pay attention to our eyes. Pay attention to your your eyes. Jesus describes your eyes as as the way from the outside to get in the inside. And you know where that goes? Into your heart. It's the direct path. So what we see automatically just opens up. It's the doorway. It's the window into our soul. It's the window into our heart. And Jesus said, you got to be careful. you got to watch your eyes. you got to pay attention to your eyes. My wife and I drive what we call the humble mobiles. We just like, we don't want car payments, but man, these vehicles are, they're just, they just aren't attractive at all. We're, we're actually, my kids, we know that they're just embarrassed. Like, they're, like, we'll have somebody else pick us up, you know? <laughs> like, like, you stay home, and we'll get, catch a ride, you know? We'll, we'll hitchhike, you know? Like, they're just, we just know that they're embarrassed. So we, we drive these humble mobiles, you know, because we don't have, you know, we don't want to make pay car payments and this and that, but they're, they're starting to be embarrassing. I wish I would have t- taken pictures of them, but you're welcome to go outside and look at them if you want and laugh if you want, point at all the rust holes in our vehicles, you know? And I'm telling you, we have like, I do, I do, I do. I have like so much car envy now, like, like I look at cars, I'm like, that just looks so nice. You know, like, like cars drive by, it doesn't matter, like, what, like, I, I just, I wish I was driving that. Anybody else, like, you see something, you just, like, have this envy, like, I've got to have this. I've got to, I want, I want that so bad. All of us have that temptation of, of envy, of jealousy, of, you know, we just want something. We see it, and we've got to have it. And we see that car and we say, I've got to have that. Or we see that dress and we say, I've got to own that. Or we see that position at work and we say, I've got to have that position. And, and we've got to be careful because what will happen is this. If we're not paying attention, that we're going to purchase something or we're going to get involved with something that is not a part of God's plan, not a part of God's will for your life. Now, is there anything wrong with owning nice cars no. If you have a nice car, I want it. Um, <laughs> is there anything wrong with having a nice house? No. Is there anything wrong with it? Absolutely not. Don't mishear me. But listen, listen. When we start thinking about something that we know we can't maybe afford, we know that we shouldn't be a part of, we know that we shouldn't associate with, this is where we get into trouble. And we need to pay attention to our eyes. You know what you know the irony of this is? Here's what David wrote. David. If David would have just paid attention to his eyes when he walked out on the balcony that day and he saw that woman bathing, if he would have just paid attention to his eyes, he would have avoided a whole lot of hurt in his life. And that's the same for us. If we can just pay attention to our eyes, it will it will, you know, we will avoid a whole lot of hurt in our life. So David wrote this. Look at David wrote. He wrote this. He says, I will set no worthless things before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. In other words, you know what he's saying? He was saying this. He's saying those when you lock your eyes on something worthless, when you lock your eyes on something that you know you shouldn't look at, 
When you lock your eyes on things that you know that you shouldn't be locking your eyes onto, and, and listen, we don't, you know what these things are. And you know what they are for you. He says those things are worthless. And what will happen to you is this. He says you will fall away. In other words, you will drift. You'll drift. He says, I shall not fasten, I shall not fasten its grip. It shall not fasten its grip on me. We know this. We know that there's been things that we've locked our eyes onto. And we think, I can control it. I can stop it. I can prevent it. I can walk away from it. I can let it go. And you know what you've discovered and I've discovered and people in your lives have discovered? It has now taken a grip on you. Right? You say, yeah, I know somebody. We never admit to ours, right? Yeah, I know somebody. Right here. You know, like. We all do this. And we all discover this. And if you haven't discovered this, you need to know. You need to know that if you keep locking your eyes, if you're not paying attention to your eyes, that thing is going to lock onto you. That thing is going to take a grip on you. And that thing is going to pull you away. And you are and I am going to eventually drift away and miss out on the purposes and the plans that God has for all of us. We gotta pay attention to our eyes. We gotta pay attention to our emotions. Pay attention to your emotions. Because even right now, you even feel like you feel the emotion of this. You feel the weight of this. You feel what this does for you. And oftentimes when it comes to our temptations, it is an emotional thing. It's a feeling-based thing. It's the pursuit of pleasure. It's the pursuit of satisfaction. It's the pursuit of this is going to meet a need if I purchase this or have this or watch this or own this. This is going to fill a, an emotional void that I have, and we need to pay attention to our emotions. You know what our emotions are like? Our emotions are irrational, aren't they? Can we admit to that? Our, emotional, our emotions are irrational. They're impulsive. They're like my six-year-old who was told that if he, doesn't break, if he doesn't break his fever, that he can't go to school in his, in his costume and be a part of the Halloween parade at school. Like that was like, it was a meltdown in our house the other night. Like he wasn't feeling good. We felt him, he felt warm. And we're like, listen, Andrew, um, sorry, buddy. You may not be able to go to school tomorrow. No! Like full on breakdown, emotional breakdown. I mean, it was like, you, I, you would have thought like, you know, I don't know, like he broke his leg or something. Like he was, it, that's what happens to us. And we get so emotional about things. And we need to pay attention to that. We need to watch out for that. We need to be careful because we're going to find ourselves at a place where we're allowing our emotions to lead and to dictate. Listen, listen, listen. Your emotions should never lead anything. If you're going to make a decision on your emotion, man, you better, you better stop and pause for a second. 
Because your emotions should never, ever, ever lead. I mean, this is what happens when we you know, walk into a store, you know, we walk into a store, we see something or lock our eyes onto something that we, we like, you know, and we go, I don't know if I can afford this, but we pull it off the rack. And then we look at it and we're like, ooh, that looks like it's gonna fit. And then you take the next step and you go and like, I'm gonna go try this on. And then like you try it on, and you're like, ooh, that looks good. Like, I like that. You know, that, that really looks good. Man, you know, you're in trouble then. You're in trouble. Once you follow through in that process, or maybe you're going through Amazon, you know, you're looking at Amazon, you're seeing deals of the day. Like, oh, that's a good deal. Well, oh, that's really, I really want that. You know, I see everybody looking at each other like you do this, you know. I, you're, you, you're, that's a good deal. I want, I want that deal. And then you're like, I'll just put it in my cart. I'll just save it for later. You know, they know, they, they're on to us. They're like, we're going to have, a, add a save it for later function because they know that if you just put it in there, you save it for later, eventually you're going to buy it, whether you can afford it or not, because you've allowed your emotions to manipulate your decisions. You've allowed your emotions to step in to an area that potentially is dangerous, that will take a grip on you. Third thing, third thing, and I'm done. I'm done. Uh, pay attention to your escape. Pay attention to your escape. Here's the good news. Here's the good news for us, okay? Here's the good news. We'll go right to the verse. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Here's what he says. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. So in other words, temptation is just common to everybody. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. It's that God, the good news is this, you, and you, need, you have to be paying attention. The good news is that God is gonna give you an escape, that God is gonna give you a way out so that you don't lose that battle of temptation. That God is somehow, some way, through your circumstances personally, you need to know this, through your circumstances personally, that God is going to offer a way of you to escape out of the situation that you know you shouldn't be in. And here's what he tells us, very next verse. He says, therefore, in other words, what I just said, here's what you need to do. Therefore, look what he says, my beloved, flee from idolatry. And idolatry is basically anything that we put ahead of God, anything that we put before God, anything that we put at the most priorities or the treasures of our life, that's our idol. And he says, listen, here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to do. You know what the bravest thing that you can do when it comes to temptation is that you need to flee from it. You need to run or walk away from it, that God is given to give you a way of escape. And when God opens up the door for you to escape out of that temptation, you need to flee from it. Because you already know this will power won't work. I don't care if you think you're the strongest person alive, you'll lose. 
I don't care if you think you're the most spiritual, connected to God person alive, you'll lose. And I don't care if you think you're the smartest person alive, you will fail. And the only thing that we can do, the only thing and the bravest thing that we can do is that we need to recognize that God gives us an escape route and we need to flee from it. We need to run away. We need to walk away from a situation. Sometimes if you stay and you look with your eyes, before it can lock onto you, you need to keep walking. You need to leave the room. You need to avoid the circumstance. You need to walk away from whatever it is that is pulling at you, whatever it is that is calling for you. He says, we need to run. You say, that sounds like a wimpy way to do it. Listen, if you don't do it that way, you'll fail. You'll, you and I will lose. We've got to learn to walk away. We've got to learn to flee from it. Isn't that what Joseph did? If you know the story of Joseph, Potiphar's wife said, man, you're a good looking dude, man. Like, and we're gonna, never mind. And so he, she came after him and what did he do? He didn't go, no, <laughs> I'm a man's man and I can beat this and I love God and I can beat this. No, no, you know what he did? He ran, didn't he? He ran. And Paul says it this way in Galatians. He said this, but I say walk by the Spirit. In other words, walk, keep walking in the ways of God. Keep walking in the ways of God. And you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Paul is just simply saying this. Keep walking. Keep walking away. God's given you a way of escape. Keep walking away. And you won't. You won't carry out the desire that you have to meet the needs of that flesh. Psalmist says it this way. He says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. You know what he's saying? He's saying, you know what happened? Here's what happens to those that, that fall into temptation, or here's what happens with somebody that drifts away. Eventually they walk, and instead of keep walking, you know what they do? They find themselves standing in it. And then after a while, they're not going to just be standing in it. They're eventually going to be seated in it. And you're going to find yourself and I'm going to find myself where we sometimes find ourselves. And that's this. I don't know how I got here. I don't know how I drifted this far. Because what happened was this. You didn't keep walking. You didn't keep walking. You stood. And you let your eyes lock on it. And then it took a grip on you. And before you knew it, you were seated in it. Seated in it. You were seated in it. Listen. He's going to make a way. He's going to make a way. Keep walking. Keep walking. Run if you have to. Get out of there. Whatever it takes. Who cares what people think? Well, who cares what people say? Get out of there. Flee. It's your best chance that we have. Regardless of how spiritual you are, how strong you are, or how wise you are. We've got to run. We've got to run. 
We've got to pay attention to our eyes. And we've got to pay attention to our emotions. And we've got to pay attention to God's escape. And you know what's better? And you know who's stronger? And you know who's smarter? And you know who's more delightful? Jesus is. Jesus is. So every single person here, you need to know this. Every single person here, Jesus is smarter. Jesus is stronger. Jesus is more beautiful and delightful than any sin that you face. He is more for you. He's more for you. Everything that you think that you long for, everything that you think that will satisfy, everything that you think will bring you delight, Jesus is better. He's better. He's better than all of it. And he's smarter than you, than the way you justify it. He's smarter than the times when you have the propensity to be your own worst enemy. Trust in him. Trust in him. Delight in him. And he will satisfy. He will be everything that you need. He's everything that we need. Let's pray. Father, willpower doesn't cut it. We know that. By the end of the day, we're exhausted, tired, worn out. It becomes almost impossible to say no. And God, it doesn't, regardless of how we feel and think and manipulate situations and justify it, as much as we are tempted and how enticing sin is, God, we just know that you're, you're more beautiful than it. You're more desirable. You're stronger. And you're everything that we need. And I pray, Lord, that we all seek you and just run after you and keep walking in your spirit so that we don't give attention to, that we don't lose the battle to, the desires that we have to meet a need of our flesh. So God, just help us. Give us the strength that we need because you're stronger. Give us the, the ability to have faith to know that nothing in this world will satisfy the way that you satisfy. And God, give us the wisdom to know that there's some things in our life that will only bring about hurt and pain. That we stop ignoring instructions and we stop isolating ourselves from family and friends and a community of church people. We no longer isolate ourselves, but we involve ourselves into a place where we can have support and encouragement and accountability. That's what we need. Help each one here as we all face temptation in one way or another. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great Sunday, everybody. If you need prayer, I'm here.